Amen. Good morning, everybody. How y'all doing today? Turn to your neighbor and say, you look good as always. Man, such a great crowd today. If you've noticed, our second services have been filling up. And so if you're angry with the seat that you have, I would tell you to come a little bit earlier. We have, uh, several months ago, we launched a brand new ministry for fifth and sixth graders upstairs on the second floor called Remnant. Everybody say Remnant. Remnant. And I'm happy to tell you there's almost 40 students up there every single week, second service. And so we noticed that a lot of uh, parents of teenagers, IFC youth, averaging about 80 students back there each week. So about 120 students um, coming to the second service. So I want to say thank you to all the parents. Any parents of teenagers here? Come on, make some noise. You're going through it. We're with you. <laughs> I think it's important to, uh, to pray for those families that have teenagers. It's the most difficult part of a human life. The most difficult season, I should say. And all the parents said, Amen. and uh, so we honor you for, for coming and, and investing in your kids. I pray that each week as they come that they're hearing God's word. Amen. For the last few weeks we've been talking about our, our mandate for the year, we've been revisiting the mandate, and I want to do that again today, but I want to invite you next week, everybody say next week. Next week, something we've never done at IFC, something very special, and we're calling it Young Guns. And next week is going to be multiple communicators, young people in this house who have been studying the Word, God's been working through them, and man, they have a mouthpiece. They are being used of God to, to preach the gospel, to lead others in salvation. And so next week, we've got several, I don't know if it's five or six, 18 to 28-year-olds that are going to take this stage, and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to cheer them on with everything that's in me. Come on, this is exciting. This is, this is what we do here. We do generations here. And so I want you to know that this old pastor is willing to take a seat and make some room for some young guns. Everybody say young guns. So hey, please come uh, with expectant heart. I believe you're going to receive something from these young people. But let's cheer them on as God is working in them. Amen? So we've been talking about our, our mandate, stay the course, full speed ahead. Everybody say full speed ahead. And I've been impressed over the last few months to make sure that we finish this year strong, this fourth quarter. You know, we talked a lot at the beginning of the year about staying the course and staying focused and, um, you know, pursuing through persistence. Everybody say persistence. Say perseverance. Perseverance is important in, in, in this season of life, uh, not only as a church, but just in society. If you're going to do anything for God, you're going to have to have some tenacity about you. And you're going to have to stay the course when waves seem to keep toppling over your bow of your ship. We've been talking about that, but last week we began to talk about the Holy Spirit and the wind of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to continue there today, and then next week we'll have young nuns. I want to read you a story. I love reading about great missionaries that went before us. As many of you know, Steph and I have given our hearts not only to the local church, but to the mission field. We've traveled over 20 nations and taken hundreds and hundreds of young people around the world, and it's just as much a call on me as it is to be your pastor to go to the nations, to be a goer and a sender. Next week, Mr. JC will be going to Chad with Living Word Missions, and all of our missionaries around the world are coming together. It's going to be a powerful moment, kind of a summit there in Chad in one of the toughest places. And and here's the thing, we get to be a part of that. So I'm continuing to make sure that I'm staying fueled with the heart of missions. This week I was reading the biography 
of Hudson Taylor. He was a great missionary to China, and I want to read you his story because I think it applies to today. He said, I had all sorts of experiences in all sorts of circumstances. And when I've come to God and pleaded His own promises in His Word, I have never been disappointed. I've been in circumstances of great difficulty and have been led to ask Him for His remarkable help. I was nearly wrecked when I was going out to China for the first time. Our vessel was becalmed and gradually drifting upon the coast of New Guinea. And we could see the natives on the shore. They had kindled a fire and they were evidently expecting a good supper that night. When I was a medical student, some of the other students, they used to jeer at me because I was going to be among the heathen and they would call me the cold missionary. Well, it did look that night as if somebody was going to have a piece of hot missionary. The captain said to me, we can't do anything else but let down the longboat. They tried to turn the head of the vessel around from the shore, but in vain it didn't work. We had been calmed for several weeks with never a breeze or a sign of any breeze in sight. In a few minutes, we would be shipwrecked on those coral reefs. He said, well, there's one thing that I haven't done, and that is we should let the Christians on board begin to pray about it. There was a man on board. He was a steward. He was a very sweet Christian man, and the captain was also a Christian, including myself. I proposed that we should retire to our cabins. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we should ask the Father and our Heavenly Father for a breeze immediately. They agreed. I went to my captain, and I told the Lord that I was just on my way to China for which he had sent me and that I couldn't get there if I was shipwrecked and killed. And then I was going to ask him for the breeze, but I felt so confident that I couldn't even ask him. So I went up on deck, and there was a second officer. He was the chief mate, a very godless man. I went up to him and said, if I were you, I would let down the mainsail. He said, what do you want me to let down the mainsail for? He said, well, we've been praying for a breeze and it's coming directly. And sooner we're ready for it, the better. With an oath, he said he'd rather see a breeze than hear of one. And he was speaking. As he was speaking, I instinctively looked up and I noticed that one of the sails was quivering with the coming breeze. I said to him again, don't you see the corners of the royals are already shaking? My dear fellow, there's a good breeze coming and we'd better be ready for it. Of course, the mate went to work, and soon the sailors were trampling all over the deck. Before the sails were set, the wind had then come down upon us. The captain came up to see what was the matter, and he saw that our prayers had been answered. We didn't forget to praise God for such a signal of deliverance from the perils to which we were exposed. You and I may be in a situation just like this where it looks like it's destitute ahead. It looks like there's turmoil and problems. But I want to tell you this with a simple request to God our Father and asking the wind of the Holy Spirit to blow into our sails. You're headed towards your destiny. I said you're headed towards your destiny. 
And in this season as a church, this is what we've been talking about. And today I'll wrap this message up. But I want to just encourage you, if you're not where you thought you would be at the end of the year, let out your sails and allow the Holy Spirit to blow a fresh wind into your life. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's the anchor of our souls. It's forever settled. It's never changing, never going to never has. You're always the same yesterday, today, and forever. Father, I ask you to give me boldness as I declare your word to your people about your Holy Spirit. Help us to understand that he's here to help us. He's here to work with us. He's here to work for us. That your will would be done on this earth through our lives. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you. We welcome you into this place. Have your way in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Bear with me as I'm trying to manage my voice today. The Holy Spirit in Hebrew is the word ruach. Everybody say ruach. And it can be misconstrued as a person. Listen, he is a person. He is invisible like wind because he can be felt or experienced but not seen. He is the breath of God which disperses his life force and his energy and his intentions. He is Yahweh's spirit which is omnipresent which means he's everywhere all the time. But he can also be directed in specific ways for specific purposes. He is not the father He is not the Son. He is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the triune God. He is God's Spirit. Today, I want to talk to you about the person of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say the person. So many times he's described as an it or a feeling or an emotion or a response. And I want to talk to you today about the person, the Holy Spirit, and how do we prepare our lives for him to show up in our daily lives. I want to continue talking about praying for wind, but not in the sense of praying for something to show up, but rather for someone to show up. For many of us, we're praying for situations, things, opportunities, objects, tangible items, people, friends, coworkers, when really we should be praying for him to show up. He is the wind of God. He is the breath of life. He is the very breath of God. See, many times I've gotten caught up praying for the what when I should have been praying for the who. What would happen if we learned to stop praying from our circumstances and begin to pray from a place of relationship with God the Father, the Son, and a relationship with the Holy Spirit the wind and the breath of God. See, when the Holy Spirit shows up, he brings change with him automatically. When he shows up, the wind, the Holy Spirit, he brings miracles in with him. When he shows up, he brings clarity to the situation. When he shows up, he brings wisdom and direction. Every time he shows up, he brings peace. He brings healing for he is the breath of life. 
for many of you know that Stephanie and I are transplants. I'm from lower Alabama. She's from South Texas. And so all of our family lives around the United States. And every couple of times, a couple of times a year, our, my parents and her parents come to visit our grandkids. We have three little children. And my kids get so excited when Papa and Honey are going to come. Or when Pops is coming or Nana's coming or Granny's coming, they get so excited. And what I found out is they're not so excited about them coming as much as what they know that they're bringing with them. (laughs) You know it's bad when you're driving to the airport and your eight-year-old son is like, oh, I can't wait to see what Granny brought. I can't wait to see what Granny bought. And I said, hey, we're not asking about anything. What if Granny didn't bring nothing? He said, you're crazy. Granny always brings stuff. You get to the house, I unload the luggage, set her up in the guest room, and I'm talking to her, hey, Granny, you want some sweet tea? Take your shoes off, you've been flying all day. And you can hear the little ones, they're in the guest room, digging through her luggage. Where's the stuff? Where's the stuff? Where's the goods? And so we begin to talk to them, and it's, it's normal. I think it's normal. We begin to talk to them about, it's not so much about the giver, uh, the gifts itself, but it's about the giver of the gifts. And I've been corrected in this last season by the Holy Spirit saying, Josh, you've been asking for all of my gifts, but I'm not so sure that you're interested in me myself as the Holy Spirit. And I want to ask you, it is okay to believe that, that Paul said that we should desire the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit, but we shouldn't desire them over His presence. Because here's the truth, when you and I desire Him, we get everything that He brings. For some of us, we're looking for a specific wind in a specific direction, and really all we need is the wind, and when he shows up, we get the direction, we get the power, we get the peace. You get the wisdom, you get the clarity, you get the healing, you get the restoration, because guess what? It's an all-in-one package when he shows up, when the, the ruach, the breath of God shows up, all those things come with him. How do we welcome him? You know, he told the disciples, go into the upper room. We talked about this last week in Acts. It said, go up in the upper room. I got to go now, guys. I got got an assignment now. I'm going to go sit at the right hand of the Father. I'll be interceding for you, but I got to go because I'm sending the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to get the power that you need to be a witness right here in your own hometown, down the street, around the block, in the neighborhood, in the next community over, and all the way to the ends of the earth. But he didn't say go and wait for the power. He said go and wait for him. He didn't say go and pray for revival. He said go and pray for the wind of God to show up. And when he shows up, the power comes him, and the result will be revival. So many churches spend so much time praying for revival, and what we need to do is just pray that the reviver shows up, and when he shows up, revival will happen. Here's the thing. You and I have no ability to revive anything, but with him in us, we become part of the solution, but make no mistake about it. It's all about him. I hope you catch this today. So how do we welcome him? How do we make room for him? First, you have to invite him. 
The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit as a gentleman. He's not a pushy person. He's not going to show up one Sunday and just smite the doors and take over the service. He only goes to places that he's invited. You ever been somewhere and you realized you weren't invited just based on how people are looking at you? It's awkward. You think you're supposed to be there. So-and-so invited you. I'm with them. Oh, I'm not supposed to be here? Uh, I wonder if that's how he feels so many times at church because he thinks he's invited. He's showing up with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They come together, but then they realize, oh, hey, whoa, 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 we, we got no room for you, man. We have to make room for the Holy Spirit. We have to request Him to come. How do we do that? We do it by faith through our words. Holy Spirit, come, have your place, do your thing. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you invited the Holy Spirit into your life and made room for Him and welcomed Him into your life? The second thing we have to do is we have to create an environment for Him to show up. We have to create space for Him. Last week we talked about catching wind in our sails and I shared with you that number one, you have to position yourself. When the wind's blowing somewhere, man, you go, you go put yourself in the wind. You go where he's moving. The second thing we talked about was living with expectation, which means you got to have faith. you got to believe that, that he's actually going to show up. Faith is a big component to following the voice of God. We'll talk about that more at the end. And lastly, we talked about cooperating with the wind. John 3, 8 says, The wind blows where it listeth, and it heareth the sound thereof, but canst not tell Whence it cometh. I don't know why I pulled the King James today on y'all. It goes on to say, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. What is it saying? He does what he wants, when he wants, how he wants to do it. But here's the thing. When you're born of the Spirit, he will work right alongside with you. Listen to this. The goal of the Holy Spirit is to be your helper, to be your guide, and to be your teacher. So he's not trying to keep up with you. You have to keep up with him. Amen. Several years ago, I had a young man call me and said, hey, I want you to mentor me. I want you to coach me. I want you to, 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 to you know, be my, my guy. And I said, well, what does all that mean? He said, I don't know. I think we should just meet weekly. I said, I ain't got time to meet with you weekly, man. We got, we're doing all kinds of stuff. And, and, and we began to talk about mentorship and mentorship. And what I realized is that mentorship is not based on the mentor. It's based on the mentee. It's how bad do you want it? What are you willing to do to get what that person has? It's the same way with the Holy Spirit. He's not going to chase you around trying to get your attention. Man, you're going to have to make room for him, invite him, sit down and be quiet and allow him to mentor you. I don't know who that's for. That wasn't in my notes today. What is needed for him? What is needed for him, the wind of God, to flow in our lives? We've been talking about our services in our lives. What is it that's needed? On our behalf, me and you as disciples of Christ, as followers of the Lord, what do we have to do so that he shows up in our life and that when he does show up, he gets to do what he does? Here's the first thing. You've got to give him control. The Holy Spirit wants to lead, not follow. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you in everyday wisdom, 
not follow you around and clean up your mistakes. He wants to be the guy you go to first for the consultation and follow his voice before going to 35 other voices and weighing his voice out against theirs. Hear me say this, the Holy Spirit wants control because his job is to be our guide. His job is to be our teacher. He's to be our leader. Romans 8.14 says, For all who are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For all who are being led by the Spirit, what does that mean? He's leading you. I don't have a dog anymore, but we, when I, growing up, I had a dog, and man, that dog was inside so much that when she finally got outside, man, she was leading me all the time. I mean, it was just everywhere. My parents bought this, this leash with a clicker, and it had like 30 feet of leash, you know, and you could let him run. She'd run, run, and run, and you have to kind of pull that leash back all the time. I wonder if the Holy Spirit feels like he's on the wrong end of the leash when it comes to our lives sometimes. They were constantly jerking him and pulling him back when he said, whoa, 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 wait a second. I'm here to lead you. I am the Spirit of God, the great creator, the great designer not only of the universe and all that is, but of your life as well. And actually your physical body, God breathed me into you. Sometimes we've got to let him have the control that he desires. How do I know that I'm being led the right way? It's always confirmed by God's word. It's always confirmed by God's word and the, the inward witness. When, you, when we begin to, we'll talk more about this next year. I've got a series I want to talk about, about the spirit-led life. The inward witness. What is that? Something on the inside just feels right. Something on the inside saying we ought to do this, this, and that. My mind's telling me this, but something down here, it feels like it. It seems like this is the way to go. This is the thing to do. This is the thing to say. What is that? That's the inward leading of the Holy Spirit. We see it in Acts 15. Paul said, for it seemed good to me and the Holy Spirit. The first pastor I served under, he was here in January. His name was Mark Brzee. He would always tell me, Josh, check your seamer. Check my seamer. He'd say, yeah, what's it feel like down here? I said, well, my mind's telling me to do X, Y, and Z. He said, your mind's always going to tell you X, Y, and Z. It's natural. But what is your spirit man saying? Does it seem good to you? And does it seem good to the Holy Spirit? How will you know if it seems good to the Holy Spirit? It lines up with his word. The word and the spirit say the same thing. When you hear his voice on the inside, it will always line up with the, with the word. That's the inward witness. In Acts 16, we find Paul called of God to go up to Phrygian and Galatia. He's going up there to preach and to work with these churches. And it says he was forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. What is that? That's him giving control back to the guy that gave him the call in the beginning. Sometimes I fight this on my own because God gives me a plan of what I should do as your pastor and then in the middle of it, it seems like things start shifting or changing and it's like, hey, whoa, 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 we can't shift anything. We've met as a staff, we've prayed, we've budgeted for this, but something on the inside says, no, there needs to be a shift. What is that? That's us relinquishing control back to him. 
was the last time you paused in a plan or a decision because the Holy Spirit said, whoa, 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 whoa. I know you plan to do that, but it's not the right time. <laughs> Don't say it that way. Don't do it that way. When we give control of the Holy Spirit in our personal lives, we end up where we're supposed to be on time every time. We end up doing things that our own minds wouldn't know to do. I've been in services where all of a sudden we've been worshiping and the worship leader just changes the song. And I'm looking at the screens, I'm like, those are the wrong words. Didn't they have rehearsal? What's going on? And all of a sudden, they begin to lead into a different song. And in that moment when they shifted, man, it's like the presence of God showed up. What is that? That's being spirit-led in our worship. That means, yes, we have a set list, and yes, we've rehearsed, but Holy Spirit, hey, you're in control. Whatever you want to do on this stage, man, we're just here to be used. There's been times in my preaching, studied, prayed, wrote my outline, 12 hours, 14 hours, 16 hours, 18 hours, 20 hours of preparation to come and minister to God's word on your behalf and get here on Sunday morning and step up here and the Lord starts going a different way. And I'm like, that ain't in my notes, dude. And he's like, they're not your notes, dude. And I'm like, this isn't what I planned on preaching today. And he said, well, then you probably should have talked to me before you wrote that sermon, Jack. That's spirit-led preaching. I've been in services before where we were going to sow to missionaries or to a specific organization or a project. And we came in knowing, hey, we're going to buy turkeys. We're going to give to Olive in July. We're going to sow seed into this amazing couple in the community they, they represent. And we're going we're to buy 10 turkey dinners. And I'm all excited. Mo gets up and starts talking about turkey dinners. I'm, we're going we're to give 10. And my wife looks at me like, I said, we agree we're going to give 10 turkeys, right? 75 bucks a piece, right? Let's do this. She's like, doesn't feel right. Doesn't feel right. She's like, you know we could buy 20 turkeys. And I'm like, well, we could buy 20 turkeys, but he told us to buy 10 turkeys. And she said, did he tell us to buy 10 turkeys, or did we go by Dave Ramsey's philosophy of we can afford 10 turkeys? And in those moments, I get convicted, and the Holy Spirit says, man, you should buy way more than 10 turkeys, man, because that's good seed into a great community. What is that? That's spirit-led giving. What am I talking about? I'm talking about if you want the Holy Spirit to work in your life, man, you got to make room for Him and allow for shift and adjustment on the fly. I call it this, flexibility within a plan. Flexibility within a plan. I'm not talking about living a chaotic life where you're just wandering. No, the Word is our foundation, but He is our guide. And the question is, what if He wants to make a pit stop on the way to the destination that you've chosen? Hear me now. The life of a believer is not a straight line. It looks like this because He's always leading us and guiding us Do you understand that you're the only Jesus that some people will ever meet? And in a moment, he may want somebody to meet Jesus through you. But if we're too busy to go there or do that or stop or sow or praise or worship, whatever it is, it's all in our power.
He wants us to relinquish control. Number two, if he's going to show up in our lives and in our church, we have to submit to his power. You have to relinquish control, but then you've got to submit to his power. Zechariah 4, 6 says, not by might, not by power, but by my, say it out loud, but by my, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. When the Holy Spirit shows up, it will be evident that you had nothing to do with it. The reason he's here is to give you power that you don't possess without him. You know the days that I, the weeks that I spend, and it's usually an average of somewhere between 12 and 22 hours a week to prepare these messages. It's a lot of time, it's a lot of energy, it's a lot of prayer, it's a lot of study, it's a lot of quiet time. And I love doing it. But you know what angers me the most is when I get here and I don't get to preach what I studied. (laughs) Because I'm frustrated. Lord, had you told me you wanted to interrupt the service and do something different, you could have told me that last Tuesday when I stayed up till 2 in the morning reading those scriptures and learning those Hebrew words and studying all. You could have told me, don't you know? From the earth, from the you know, the beginning to the end, you're the Alpha and the Omega. You knew. What is that? That's me wanting to preach in my own power. You know the Sundays that I leave this pulpit and I think, man, that really sucked bad. That was horrible. I feel it like I leave and I'm like I stand outside. And I'm like that was the worst message ever. And in my mind, it's the worst message ever because I got away from my notes and I got distracted or I got detoured. And what I really need to realize is he was distracting me on purpose. He was leading me down a rabbit hole to tell some crazy, stupid story to bless somebody that needed to hear it. So that outside, somebody would come and say, hey, man, you blessed me today. I can honestly say it was not me. Today had nothing to do with me. If you got blessed, guess what? That was the power of God. That was the anointing. That was the grace. That was the the wind of the Spirit speaking to you. I'm learning not to judge sermons' success on how I deliver them or how I prepare for them. A sermon's success is a success when he gets to say what he wants to say, when he gets to do what he wants to do. And when we come with open hearts and receptive minds to realize that maybe this is a different kind of Sunday, I'm open to it because maybe he's trying to say something to me that I've never heard before. Submit to his power. And finally, if we're going to welcome him and give him space, we have to listen to his voice. We have to listen to his voice. Everybody say, listen. I like to do a lot of talking. It's obvious. My voice goes out about every other week. I like to talk. You know how you know if you talk a lot? Is your phone is constantly needing to be charged. Ten percent. You're like, oh man, it's two o'clock. 
when we had, we used to have, a, we have an unlimited plan, but we used to have a plan where we paid for the minutes. Anybody still pay for minutes? Like you buy specific minutes on your phone? Anybody? Nobody? Before, when we first got married, it would tell you my phone and my wife's phone. We had a joint plan. And it would say that she used like 200 minutes for the whole month. And mine was like 2,800 minutes for the whole month. She's like, you talk too much. She's right. But I've learned through walking with the Lord that if we're going to delegate, we're going to receive His power, we're going to make room for Him, He's going to show up, then, then there's times when He shows up that we just have to be quiet and listen because He wants to say something to us. There's a story in 1 Samuel about young Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 3, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. He's just a young man, and he wakes up in the middle of the night, thinks that Eli, the man of God, is calling him. And he hears Samuel, Samuel, and he wakes up and runs into Eli's room and wakes up Samuel, wakes up Eli and says, what do you need? What's up? And he said, no, I didn't wake you up. Go back to bed, man. It happens three times. Three separate times he wakes up hearing something, thinking it's Eli. On the third time, Eli realizes God is trying to speak to the boy. And he says, when he calls you again, just go back in your room. And when you answer this time, say, your servant's listening, Lord. Speak, I'm ready to hear you. And that last time, the Lord called and said, Samuel, Samuel. And he stood up and said, yes, sir, your servant. What do you need? I'm listening. The Lord began to talk to him about Eli and his boys. And he talked about the change that was coming to that house specifically into the region and from that day forward Samuel became a great prophet later on we study the Bible he was the one that went and anointed David to be the next king of Israel out of all of his brothers how would you know to anoint a king if you didn't know how to hear from the spirit first for some of us our assignments are so great but we boiled them down to our assignment. And the truth is, is there's assignments for others that come from you and through you. But if we don't learn how to hear him, we misrepresent him to others, which causes them to miss their destiny. I recognize this more and more as a brand new pastor that when you say, thus saith the Lord, it better be thus saith the Lord. And you probably won't hear me say, thus saith the Lord very much. Because I value what that means, you'll probably hear me say, I feel like the Lord is saying. I feel like He's leading us. I, this is what I think I hear Him saying. I'm very cautious with that, so should you be. Said all that to say, if He's going to have control in your life and you're going to receive the power and allow Him to do it, it needs to come from His direction and through His voice. Well, how will I know it's Him? Get this question all the time. How do I know if God's speaking to me? It's very simple. His voice sounds like His Word. And the more time you spend in His Word, studying His Word day in and day out, Joshua said, meditate in it day in, day out, morning, noon, and night. Make it your track. Don't get off left. Don't get off right. Stay the course, and then you'll succeed. Well, how will I know? Because His voice sounds like His Word. (laughs) 
So why is the word so important? Because there may be a day shows up when you don't have your phone with your Bible app, but all of a sudden the inward witness begins to speak to you and be like, oh yeah, that's, that's the Lord because I know that scripture. I know that verse. I've heard that before. I've read that somewhere. Hide the word of God in your heart so that you wouldn't sin against him. What is that? It's allowing him in those moments to remind you of his word so you don't make a mistake. Surrendering and making room for the Holy Spirit. It's about letting him lead and him speak first. Proverbs 4.20 says, Dear friends, listen well to my words. Tune your ears to my voice. Just stand with me. This week is a week of prayer and fasting, as Mo, Mo said, and I want to encourage you to take some time and pray. I'm, I'm, I'm coming Friday night with an open heart. Coming Friday night with a, an amazing team of worshipers. Our, our elders and our staff are coming prayed up. What's going to happen Friday night? I don't know. But I know this. He's going to show up. And whatever wind you need in your life, he'll be there to, to be that. And when he shows up, as I started, he brings all these things with him. Health, healing, clarity, wisdom, direction, restoration. So whatever you have need of Friday night, come with that. But don't come for the need to be filled. Come with an invitation to welcome him into your life. A few weeks ago, I said it, and I've said it multiple times. I'm going to continue to repeat this phrase. The most important message to an unbeliever is Jesus. If you're not saved, if you never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, that's the greatest and most powerful message you could ever hear. But once you've received Jesus Christ and once He's your Lord and Savior and you've given Him that Lordship, the most powerful message you need is the message of the Holy Spirit because He empowers you to do what Jesus called you to do. And over the last few weeks, I felt impressed that there's those that have made Jesus the Lord of their life, but you've yet to welcome the power of the Holy Spirit, and some of you have been desiring that. So today, in just a minute, Mo's going to give you some instructions. We're going to open our altars at the end of the service, and our elders, our staff, some of our team, prayer team will be here. They would love to pray with you for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you this. I don't know what kind of church you came from or where you've been before. He's not spooky. It may be two days from Halloween, but he's not crazy ghost weirdo that everybody tells you he is. He's a gentle empower of believers. And there's nothing more than he wants than to help you navigate this season and the next season of your life at full capacity, at full speed. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I've asked the team to close in this verse one last time, but... If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when we're done with this song, Mo's going to give you some instructions. Come down. Let this prayer team pray with you. And those that need that, I believe that power is going to show up today on your behalf. And then Friday night, we're going to gather together. We're just going to have a Holy Ghost party and let Him do what only He does. Amen. Father, with our hands raised, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come breathe life into us as individuals in a church. In Jesus' name.